call to worship this morning comes from Psalms 111, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright in the congregation, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together as a congregation and worship you, even in these circumstances. We thank you for your mighty works and uh, the splendor of your majesty. Thank you for... uh, your provision of food uh, that you have promised us here in these verses. Lord, you have provided for us and sustained us. Pray that you would continue to do that. Lord, as we come to worship and adore you this morning, I pray that you would uh, take from us all distractions and and the thoughts of this world for this time, and we would uh, be able to just focus on you and your glory, that we would worship you with our whole hearts in spirit and in truth. And Lord, we pray that you would make your word known to us and that we would uh, be given by your spirit the ability to hear. And we make our prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And turn with me this morning to number 355 in your hymnals. Let's sing, We Are God's People. <coughs> We are God's people, the chosen of the Lord, born of His Spirit, established by His Word, a cornerstone is Christ alone, and strong in Him we stand. from the dead. 
He wills us be a family diverse yet truly one. Oh, let us give our gifts to God and so share His work on earth be done. We are a temple, the Spirit's dwelling place. Formed in great weakness, a cup to hold God's grace. We die
Father, we come before you with gratitude and thanks that you have forgiven us, that you have assured us of your forgiveness, that you have called us together and commanded us and welcomed us to bring our requests to you. We are thankful for your keeping us this past week, for your supplying all of our needs, and for your promise that you will continue to do so even uh, through the, the strange circumstances that we are in now, you have promised us uh, that you are working all things together for our good. Lord, we thank you also that you have promised to hear all of our requests. And so we bring to you now Nita, who is still unable to work uh, due to these circumstances. Thank you for supplying for her and ask that you would continue to provide for her and that you would continue to keep her free from any worry or anxiety over uh, the situation and uh, give her heart peace and rest through this. Pray also for Dawn, especially, and for the Rogers family, as uh, we are all missing Ruth, and uh, she leaves a great hole behind. And I pray that you would give them your comfort and grace through this time. And also for Harold and Leanne, uh, Lord, uh, this is a great loss for them. And I thank you so much that uh, Harold is able to go and stay with Leanne now that he's not there alone in the nursing home. And yet I pray, Lord, that you would give him, continue to give him comfort and your uh, peace that you are with him, uh, even through uh, such hard times. We pray for others, Lord, in our own congregation who are shut in and not able to be here either through illness or for fear of catching illness. Lord, I pray that you would remind them of your presence with them, even as they are hindered from joining with us. I pray that you would minister to them by your spirit, uh, even now. We pray, Lord, for our leaders, uh, both here locally in our town and county, and also uh, in the state and across our nation, Lord, that you would give them wisdom for dealing with uh, circumstances for which uh, no one was really prepared, and that you would especially... Uh, Continue to move on them to uh, respect the, the essential nature of worship and that they would not hinder us from being able to come together. We thank you that we are free to do so here. Lord, we pray that you uh, would have mercy on your people here in this nation and around the world. And you would look on us and uh, end this terrible plague that is going on. But Lord, we pray that it would not be wasted, that you would use... Uh, this time to draw the hearts of people back to you, that you would uh, turn people's eyes to thinking about uh, the, the fact that we are all mortal, and that even if they escape this virus, that one day they will someday stand before you, and you would use this to bring about repentance and revival uh, in our land and around the world, Lord, that others would come to worship and give you the glory that you would do. We thank you, God, for your word. And I pray, Lord, as we come to uh, this time of, of hearing your word, Lord, that you would minister, that you would use me and speak, Lord, to your people, that you would open our hearts to receive what you have to say to us, and that we would be careful to obey what you have told us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 8. We'll be starting at verse... 30 and going through verse 35 at the end of the chapter. Mm -hmm. 
Joshua chapter 8, starting at verse 30. At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal. Just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones, upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native-born, with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. If I were to ask you, what is the book of Joshua about? I think probably the first thing that would come to your mind was battles, military conquest. They fight in Jericho and they fight in Ai and they go on to defeat other kings and they take possession of the land through military conquest. You would think of it as a, a military, a historical text of a military conquest in Joshua. And yet, uh, even so far, we have already seen where they built an altar of stones taken out of the riverbed of Jordan where they crossed over on dry land. They've had a ceremony where everyone who was not circumcised in the wilderness was circumcised. They had a Passover celebrated in the land. And now here, uh, even though we've had the victory at Jericho and then we had a defeat at Ai followed by this clever strategy God gave Joshua to defeat Ai and they won that battle and you would expect that going forward now they're about to uh, do some more conquests. There'll be some more military victories and yet once again, the passage is kind of interrupted what you would expect in this flow and is instead uh, talking about what is a covenant renewal ceremony here. And Ralph Davis in his commentary on this passage highlights the fact that this event taking place at this point in the history of taking the promised land underscores that covenant obedience has priority over military victory. And heeding God's word is more crucial than fighting God's war. It is easy for us to get caught up in the many wars that we are fighting on a daily basis, whether it's the cultural wars, the political wars, uh, and the culture around us, or even just the war in our own uh, souls for sanctification that we fight on a daily basis. And if we're caught up in all of these things, it can be easy uh, to lose sight of the fact that what is more important than the war is really following God's commands and His instructions that is the most important thing that we can do. And it is important even when those instructions can seem to have little to do with the war we are currently fighting. So what is this that takes place in this passage? Well, this is a covenant renewal ceremony. So you see, in verse 30, Joshua goes up on Mount Ebal, and there he builds an altar. And then in verse 31, he offers... Uh, burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. 
And then in verse 32, he writes a copy of the law. And then in verse 33, he comes back to the whole congregation gathered there. And he blesses all of them. He reads to them the commands that God has given. And he reads uh, in verse 34, the blessing and the curse according to all that is written in the book of the law. In verse 39, he sum, 35, he sums up that there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly. We compare this with Exodus 24. The people of Israel would have readily recognized this as the covenant ceremony. Uh, in Exodus 24, Moses, uh, in the original ceremony where the people of Israel enter into covenant with God, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. He builds an altar of stones there. He uh, offers burnt offerings and peace offerings upon the altar. He comes back to the people with the words of the law written down. He reads all the laws to the people, emphasizing that he's reading the blessing and the curse, which is kind of a summary of saying, this is the covenant that we are in. And all the people there at that time say, all that the Lord has said, we will do. So the people here would have recognized Boy, this looks an awful lot like what Moses did on Sinai. This is an exact recreation of the covenant ceremony that Moses held on Mount Sinai. And here is Joshua following that script again. This is a covenant renewal ceremony. And I think you would see, as you consider, what does a covenant ceremony look like that it looks very much like even what we have here this morning. The words of the law are written down for us. And they are read to us. Even uh, in these times when our, our circumstances require that our services are rather short and limited, yet if you, you count up in your bulletin, there are four different places already where we have read from the words of the covenant. And in the same way as Joshua blessed the people, as Moses blessed the people, uh, every week at the end we bless the people. We have what we call the benediction, which just means the blessing. And everyone who comes together for this covenant-renewing ceremony gets a blessing from it. And that is uh, very similar to what Joshua has done here. It's very similar to what Moses did back then in Exodus 24. This is a covenant-renewal ceremony. Why is Joshua doing this? Well, Moses gave very strict instructions on what to do here. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, starting at verse 26, Moses says, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today. To go after other gods that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not beyond the Jordan, west of the road, toward the going down of the sun, in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah, opposite Gilgal, beside the oak of Morah? For you are to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you. And when you possess it and live in it, you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I am setting before you today. Moses is very explicit in his instructions here, right down to very detailed directions to know where to go to have this ceremony. And Joshua follows this. He takes them directly between the mountains of Jerusalem and Ebal to hold this ceremony. 
And it's important to, to recognize this is 20 miles north, roughly, from Ai. The children of Israel have fought two battles in the land, and now they march 20 miles into the land without any record of there being any opposition or anything like that. And there's a town there, Shechem, where they would have gathered. And yet, instead of there being battles and fighting here, it says uh, in verse 33, And all Israel, sojourners as well as native-born, were there. So you have the people of the city apparently standing around going, what is going on here? And just kind of standing and taking part of this ceremony instead of fighting these invaders who have marched into their land. But Joshua is simply following the instructions he has been given. Uh, this is kind of like Joshua's signature move. When God gave Joshua instructions on how to take Jericho, they were not your normal military instructions, were they? He said, you're going to go march around the city for six days, once a day. And on the seventh time, march around it seven times, and then yell at it really loud. And what does Joshua do? He follows the instructions. He does exactly what he's told. They march around it six days. The seventh day, they march around it the seventh time. And then they shout at the wall, and God gives the victory. But God gave other instructions then as well. He said, you're going to devote most of the things in this city to destruction and some of the things like the gold and silver were supposed to be dedicated to God but Achan did not follow the commands he didn't follow the instructions and as a result the Israelites suffered the curse they lost at Ai many people died there and then when God reveals to Joshua what has happened and he gives him instructions here's how to deal with Achan and then he gives him instructions on his, here's how to go win at Ai and Joshua follows those instructions again, right to the letter, and God blesses the people, and they are victorious at Ai. So Joshua has these instructions from Moses, when you get into the land, go to this specific place, hold this ceremony. And so Joshua follows his instructions exactly. These are, uh, you will notice that the whole congregation was gathered together for this as he uh, enacts this covenant ceremony. And as he reads the words of the law, he is following those instructions exactly. He reads the blessing and the curse, which is what he is told to do. And so he follows those instructions exactly. And so as we come together in our weekly assembly of the saints, it's important that we follow God's instructions. That's why we don't do things like puppet shows and skits and things like that in the worship service. But we try and follow God's instructions exactly to the letter of how he wants to be worshipped. Joshua followed this pattern, and he saw a blessing for doing so. You notice that it says that Joshua blessed the people, and afterwards he read all of these instructions. How is this a blessing? How are they blessed? Well, if we are going to get a blessing based on whether we keep God's commands or disobey God's commands, then hearing those instructions themselves, hearing God's commands itself, will be a blessing to us. You can't do what God wants if you don't know what God wants. Unless you read God's commands for yourself or have them read to you, as we do here in the worship service, then you cannot obey them. If you don't know what to do, you cannot do them. So just the mere act of gathering together to read God's word, to hear God's word, is an act of blessing. We're meditating on it ourselves is a blessing. So 
So how do we have this blessing for ourselves? Well, as we've seen here, it was the gathering together of the saints where this took place. I know, uh, I'm sure all of us have had uh, this, this temptation to just kind of take the Sunday morning service for granted at times. Uh, you wake up, uh, maybe you didn't sleep so well the night before, you're tired, you're thinking, do I really got to go this morning? Maybe, you know, I go pretty much all the time, maybe I didn't miss this once. Or if you go, you think, well, it's no big deal, it's just yet another Sunday morning service. There's 52 of these a year, been doing this for 20 years, it's just another service. But the weekly assembly of the saints together for worship is itself a blessing. And while it can be tempted to take that for granted at times, I think especially during these times, we can learn to treasure it. That we have an opportunity here that many people, as we said, around our nation, around the world, don't have this opportunity this morning. And even now, these reduced circumstances, I think all of us are longing for the day when we can just come all of us together again and worship God. And I hope that we can take that feeling of treasuring uh, the weekly assembly with us, even after these circumstances are over, we go back to normal again, that we would learn to remember what it was like when we couldn't all worship together. So we would treasure this. Second, we can have these blessings not just on Sunday, obviously. Joshua says at the very beginning of the book in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in there. Meditate on it. God in his wisdom did not say you shall read these words day and night. That would be impossible. And what would we do for those who cannot read or who don't know the Bible? They couldn't obey that. But all of us can meditate on God's Word day and night, whether we're at work or at play during the day, when we rest at night, you can meditate on God's Word. And this is what Joshua said to do. He said to meditate on it. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. We need to not just consider it like, okay, I've read my four chapters today, check. I've got my, I read through once a year, check, I've done my duty, but it should be something that dwells in us richly throughout the, day, the year. And what Joshua said there is so that we may be careful to do all that is written in it. We do not study God's word or meditate on God's word simply so that we can know more, simply so maybe we can win a Bible trivia contest or be the smartest theologians in the room. That's not the point. We study God's word. We let it dwell in us richly so that we can be more conformed to Christ's image, so that we can be careful to do what we have been told. But what is the blessing ultimately that we will get? Maybe as you're hearing this, you're like me and thinking, okay, if I'm going to be blessed based on how well I obey God's commands, if I'm going to be cursed based on my disobedience, of God's commands, then woe is me. I know my own heart. And I know if I'm going to get curses based on my breaking of God's law, then that is pretty much what I am going to get. That the blessings will be few and far between then. Because all God is going to find in me is that I have broken his law again and again and again. And that is all I can expect from him. 
After all, if God's law is summed up best in love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, I have broken that law. I have never fully kept that law. And all I will be able to expect from God then is his curses. Um, fortunately, I'm not going to look to my own performance for what I can expect from God. In fact, when I am here in the congregation or whether I'm meditating on God's word throughout the week, what I will find in God's word is not my performance, but it will be Christ. It will all point me to Christ. And I will be looking to Christ and his taking of all of my disobedience and taking on himself all the curses that were due me. And in Christ, I have been promised every spiritual blessing. And so I have this comfort of knowing that what I will receive from God will be blessing, not because of how well I have kept God's law, but because Christ kept God's law on my behalf. And this is the blessing that we will find, both as we come together and worship and hear the words of the covenant read aloud to us, or as we meditate on them throughout the week, the blessing we will find, first and foremost, above everything else, is Christ himself. That is our great blessings. And as we think on that, as we meditate on that truth, and that will cause us to love Christ even more. And what has Christ promised us but that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He does not say you should keep my commandments, but he makes it a promise to us. He says you will keep my commandments. And so we will love him all the more, knowing that he has done all this for us. He has generously given us in himself every spiritual blessing, and he has given us this promise that we will keep his commandments. So look to God's word for this blessing. Look to God's word to find more of Christ, to find more of this blessing that you've been promised in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in Christ we have been promised every spiritual blessing. We thank you uh, that you have shown us this pattern of how uh, following your commands 